It's International Yoga Day, and so they're actually trying to get the, with it being the summer solstice, like it's sunrise, trying to um, get the most number of people together doing yoga in one place at one time. Um, so that's actually where Matt is. If you look, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, but uh, the the message today, so wanna wanna actually just dive in. We're gonna talk since it is Father's Day, also, right? That's that's the other thing going on. Uh, um, so happy Father's Day to all of you uh, fathers in the room. Let's give them a hand. And so for the the message today, I thought it would be appropriate if we talk about the the seven. Um, healthy habits of being a father, and that usually starts actually with yoga, if you didn't realize that. Um, so this guy actually gets the Dad of the Day Award, um, doing yoga with a child on his back. Um, so I'm going to not actually try any yoga poses. Totally kidding. That would go very badly, um, and I would end up in the emergency room before the message was over. So... Um, <laughs> In all seriousness, we are going to talk about God as our Father today. God as Father. So let's pray as we begin. God, this morning we do just, we celebrate the dads um, who are among us. God, we just, we know that that the best example of, of being a father comes from you. God, that you are that example. And so God, just help us to look to you today as our Father as we explore what that means. God as Father. As we explore it, Lord, just just take us to a new place, to a new depth with you. God, that we will see your heart and that we will see you and the ways that you are leading us this morning. Transform us, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So where do we get this idea of God as Father? Is it from a, a church doctrine or some famous theologian? Is it from one of the church fathers? It's actually from Jesus himself. Jesus gives us this idea, this image of God as father. Every single gospel in the Bible sets up this image of God as father. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, when um, Jesus is in the waters of baptism, God speaks out. He says, you are my son, my beloved creates that identity. And then, then all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry on earth when he is on the cross, he is crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in between, we just see over and over again Jesus setting up this, this relationship with him and the Father. And so it's... Um, if you really want to dig into it, if you want to dig into the, the image of, of God as, as Father, the book of John is something that is actually a place that it really develops that whole theology and what it, what it means for God to be Father. 
And if you've not joined us before at the, the story, it's our Bible study that happens on Tuesday nights kind of through the academic um, year. The story actually walks through the life of Jesus. And so it, it takes the book of John, really, and looks, looks at this, the life of Jesus as, as told by the Apostle John. And so that's going to be coming this fall. If you've not been a part of it before, I encourage you to do that. The story on Tuesday nights. But so this, this idea of God as Father comes directly from Jesus. It is distinctly Christian to think of God as Father. It's laid out for us in the, the Apostles' Creed, the first three lines of the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and it goes on. But it sets up in these, these first few lines, it captures for us this image of God as Father. And Jesus, Jesus moves this to a, a, a place of Father being a proper noun. It's not just this um, description, but it actually is a name of God within the Trinity. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father is this name that Jesus gives. In the Old Testament, right, the, Israel were the, the children of God. And so that, that kind of sets up this, this father relationship. But there was never this calling of God, the name Father. He was the Father, um, um, the Lord of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but this relationship of father just wasn't set up there. So Jesus takes it to a different place for us within the Trinity, naming, um, naming God as father. And so pulling on, on some of my Celtic roots, that image of the Trinity, um, just the, the way that this relationship is so uh, intertwined, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love this, this image, actually. I think I pulled it from... Um, gettinginkdone.com. It's become a popular tattoo. Um, but it is, people don't realize sometimes the um, origin of it, that it is, is this Celtic um, trinity knot. And so it is, is a symbol of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, constantly entwined, constantly um, intertwingled, if you will. And so this, um, the Godhead, the trinity. And so Father as that key identity. So there's the relationship of a father within in the Trinity, within the Godhead. But Jesus takes it to a different place for us. He brings the idea of God as father to a whole new level. And that's bringing it into relationship with us. When he teaches his disciples how to pray, he says, this is the way you should pray. What are the first words that he teaches them to pray? Our Father, our Father. So it takes us from from God being being this far off notion, right? This this um, maybe Father that we admire from afar, and brings it into our lives. It takes this this relationship, the the God of the cosmos that created everything, is now 
set up in a relationship as our Father. Loving and following Jesus brings us into that relationship. He says, he who loves me will be loved by the Father. And so it's being in that relationship with Jesus. We might say it this way, it's, it's, it's no longer, no longer that far off image. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to look at other people's dads and be like, man, I wish he was my dad. <laughs> Reality, right? <laughs> it's not like that anymore with our relationship with God. It is not that far off thing, but he is actually our father. That we are adopted as his sons and daughters. It's this depth of love that we see between Jesus and the father that we are now invited into where it is this reciprocal relationship. Not just him loving us, but us loving him. And this, this reciproc- reciprocal place of, of respect and intimacy is a personal relationship. And it's at that point that we have to pause for just a minute and say, for some of us, that is, that is our experience, right, with our earthly father. For some of us, it is that, that experience, and our, our earthly father has prepared us and walked us into this loving relationship to understand what it means to have God as father. And we celebrate that. But for many of us in the room, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what it's like to have a positive, loving relationship with a father here in the earthly realm. For some of us, that was missing. And that makes the reality of Father's Day really hard. It can be this barrier to to the whole concept of God as Father. If we, if we look at God through the lens of how we viewed our Father, for some of us, that is really, really skewed, and that is not who God is. Yeah. And so Father's Day brings with it this great celebration, and we should celebrate the positive, active relationships that fathers have with their children. But Father's Day brings with it that hard reality that for some of us, our earthly father maybe has already passed and we mourn the loss of that. For some of us, it's having had an abusive, destructive relationship that broke our hearts. And for others of us, it's, it's never having had a father figure in our lives at all. Right now, at this point in the history of the world, children born in the U.S., one in three is in a home without a father present. One in three. And when you take that number and you slice it and start to do some dissecting and break it down by, by demographics, communities, places, for some some folks, that's 40, 50% of living in a home without a father. 
And this, this study is generous in what it calls actually having a father present. It's actually having, having someone there at least once a month. So when you take that and think about it in that lens, it, that number grows. The U.S. is the world leader in fatherless families. It's not the list that I want us to be at the top of. And so in thinking about that and thinking about the impacts of that, it's overwhelming. Just these next few statistics that I want to share with you are, are overwhelming to me just to read them. 90% of all homeless and runaway youths come from fatherless homes. 71% of adolescents that are abusing substances, illegal substances. 80% of youth who are under psychiatric care in a hospital come from fatherless homes. 70% of the kids in our juvenile correction facilities. 63% of all youth suicides. And 70% of teenage pregnancies come from homes where there's not a father present. This is being termed the fatherless generation. So what does that mean for the concept of God as father? There's a whole other time and place, no doubt, for a commentary on the American family. We should have that conversation. But I want to focus in what, on what that means for us on not just Father's Day, but for that openness to God as Father. In doing this research, the day that I was actually digging into all of this, I was just like overwhelmed. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I didn't know what to do with this. And so in, in going to bed that night, I was just like, what, how do I even go into this message, Lord? And it's rare that I can say that, that God spoke to me like in a clear, a clear way that I knew was direct from the Lord. Amen. But that night, I woke up in the middle of the night and God spoke to my heart in a way that was so clear. It's words that, that I wasn't expecting at all. He said, this is not new. This is not a new thing. It's something that he's been working through from the beginning of time. Amen. So is it something that is a problem? Absolutely. And should we be addressing it, raising up godly fathers? Absolutely. Is God squelched or muted or limited by it? Never. He works through it. He's been working through broken relationships and broken homes since Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden. In scripture, we see lots of examples of broken families 
We want to point to scripture and see all the perfect families, right? It doesn't work that way. There are broken homes and broken relationships, and especially broken relationships with fathers. And God works through them. And so he knew that we needed an image of what God looks like as father. Whether we experience that here on earth or not, we need this image to understand who the father is. What is this image of God as father? And so Jesus captures that for us in one of the parables, right? Can you think of which parable maybe that was? Yeah, the prodigal son prodigal son. And so we were having this conversation out at Weaver Street on Tuesday night about God as father. And my friend DeMont, with such passion, told this story of the prodigal son. And so DeMont is going to share this story for us this morning. Let's give DeMont a hand, y'all. Yeah. Tell it to us, man. Tell it right here. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> Like, a lot of the stories in the Bible I, like, became real familiar with, but it's like, the, pro- the prodigal son was one of them, but it's like, a lot of times you got to understand the culture to get the whole grasp of the story. And, um, well, it was a father, and he had two sons. And one of his sons came up to him and said, I want my inheritance. So the father divided his land between his two sons and gave it to the one that wanted. But first of all, what got to happen before somebody gets an inheritance? Mm. Yeah, somebody got to die. So he was actually <laughs> saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. You better off to me dead. And his father, you know, it broke his heart, but he still did it because of his love. And the guy went off, and he spent it on wild living. And then um, it says, like, he, he was a Jewish person, so they really didn't mess with pigs or anything, but he was feeding the pigs, and he wanted the food that the pigs was eating because he didn't have no food. It's funny how, like, when we got money and stuff, a lot of our friends around and stuff, but as soon as it's gone, they gone. Right. And it says he came to his senses. And, you know, he was talking about, um, well, I'm going to go back to my father because it's plenty of food there, and I'm going to ask him, I'm going to tell him, Father, I sinned against you and... um. I sinned against you, and please forgive me and um, take me back as one of your hired servants. And see, he was still trying to play a little game because it was two types of servants. It was hired servants, those people that come to the house and work. Then they leave, and they can go do whatever they want. That's what he had wanted to do. The other kind of servant is a bond servant. And, like, what they would actually do is take the awl and take the ear and nail it to the door, and that person becomes part of the family. He stays there in the house. But he wanted to be a hired servant so he could still go out and do whatever he wanted to do. But it says, um, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. First of all, you know, I don't think he just happened to be looking and seeing his son coming one day. I think maybe the father was out looking for his son every day. It's like, is this the day that my son is going to come home? You know, just praying. Is this the day that he's going to come home? Until he finally seen him. And he ran to him. Well, older Jewish men in that culture, they don't run. 
You know, they dignified. They they don't run for nothing. You know, and um, he ran. You know, and he ran and he embraced them. Well, um, they had a law back then that any rebellious child could be stoned by any adult in the town, in the neighborhood. But wouldn't nobody dare throw a stone at him with his father holding him, a fear of might hitting the father. And like, actually in the Bible, in the Ten Commandments, it says, honor thy mother and thy father, and you will live a long and prosperous life. That's the first commandment with a promise. Amen. And um, he put sandals on his feet and went, got the um, ring for him and told his servants to go, um, go get the best robes and kill the fatted calf. Well, sandals, that was a sign of authority because slaves, they didn't wear any sandals. They went barefoot. And the ring was a signet ring. Every family had an emblem or a signet ring, and they used it to sign documents. So he was putting them back into his proper place, you know. And where do you think the best robes in the house would be at? Yeah, in the dad's closet. He was giving him his stuff, you know. He was saying, I know what you did, but I still love you. And that's God's love. But it, it's another son, too. And he got mad, didn't want to come in. And he says that, you know, the father goes out and talks to him. And he said, I worked for you all these years. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't run off and spend your money. You never threw a party for me and my friends. You never killed the fatted calf for us. And, like, that's a bitter, a bitter spirit right there. And actually, I think it's a lot of it in the church but people, they just don't realize that they have a bitter spirit. Uh, easy way to um, say that is like, um, y'all know about Jeffrey Dahmer, right? right? Yeah, he was a cannibal. He killed people and stuff and ate them. But when he was in jail, before he died, he started going to Bible studies, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, I don't know if he was sincere. Only God knows. But if he is, he'll be in heaven. And that makes a lot of people mad. They, they think, well, he shouldn't be able to go to heaven. Look what he did. But it's sin. Sin is sin in God's eyes. We have a tendency to judge big sin and little sin. But all sin is sin in God's eyes. And we are sin. And that just shows you how great the Father love is. He, his love is so great, he don't want no one to perish. And he just loves us like that. And actually, Jesus, he calls us to love like that. He said, the, love, the way that I love you, you love one another. God wouldn't tell us to do anything if he wouldn't make it possible for us to do. So it is capable for us to love people unconditionally with the help of God through the Holy Spirit. God loves you, and I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is the truth. Demont, thank you. And on, on Tuesday night, as he was telling this story, he said, You know what the word prodigal actually means? Extravagant. You know what prodigal is actually describing there? Not so much the son as the father. The father's love is extravagant. And whether we've experienced it from an earthly father or not, Jesus puts this for us here in his word.
and spoken through our friend DeMont. Jesus gives us this reality of who the Father is. And so the Father's extravagant love for us, Paul tells us over in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from that extravagant love. And in that same chapter, he says, through this, this spirit, you've received adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters. And we cry out, Abba, Father. And he hears us. Not only does he hear us, but he runs to us. Psalms tells us in chapter 9 that, that he does not forget or ignore the cry of the afflicted. The Father does not forget. He never leaves us. So why is it important for us to understand this, this relationship of God as Father? We can maybe go through our whole Christian walk and not get it right. Is that possible? What does it mean if we don't get it right? If we all together see God as Father. It brings this unity. A unity that is family. And so if God is our Father, who's the person sitting next to you? Mm -hmm. So if we don't get that right, we're missing the unity that we should have as brothers and sisters. So sometimes we lose, lose sight of it, right? We lose touch with that. We might, we might grasp it in this moment that God is Father. But when we walk out of the door, sometimes it slips away. We forget about it. And so I want to share with you two active reminders today. The first is, is this. is this, this practice... Um, this, this writer, this author, this priest, Brennan Manning, gives us. It's called a breath prayer. And so he, he says, like, just to, to constantly have this in front of us. Here's this simple breath prayer for you to say. Abba, I belong to you. I belong to you. But what makes it a breath prayer is that it's actually as we inhale and exhale. You can't actually get any, you can't get any vocal cord on an inhale, really, right? So to say Abba as you inhale and I belong to you as you exhale. So it's a little more like So this repetition in, in the quiet places, wherever you are, this is a simple reminder. And by being this breath prayer, it's spoken really to the inmost place because it's coming in with the oxygen, right? And so just encourage you to use that. Take that with you as a reminder of whose you are. 
And then the second is, is to participate in communion. We're going to take the bread and the cup. And God invites us to participate. That each time we take of the bread, when it is broken for us, when we take the bread and we take the cup, we taste and see the good and loving Father that our God is. That he made a way for us to be reconciled with him through his son, Jesus. And so I invite you to participate in this and remember God as Father. And if you want to get real crazy with it today, try both at the same time. (laughs) That as you come forward and you take a piece of the bread, as as you take it, and as you dip it in the cup, Say that breath prayer. Abba, I belong to you. And so this is an open invitation. This is available for all who believe. And if this is the first time for you, if this is the first time that you are are recognizing that God is Father, and that you are reconciled to him, through his son Jesus who gave his life for us, died and was raised to life again. I invite you, there's no better way to mark the day than to taste and see from this loaf and this cup that God is our good and loving father. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you have given us this image you have given us this image of the prodigal father. God, that is an example of who you are and the love that you have for us. That you are looking for us and that you run to us. No matter where we've been, where we're coming from, if we've squandered it all and lost it, you still invite us back, back into your family. So God, this morning as we celebrate you as Father on this Father's Day, help us to take with us that constant reminder that you have adopted us as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen.